Welcome along to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith, joined by Lee Clark again. Hiya, Lee. How are you? Good, Steve. Uh, how are you? I not bad, mate. Uh, relieved, I think, is, is probably the word that, you know, I haven't, I haven't been asked the question I've been asked for the last uh, 17 weeks is, you know, any news or is it any closer? Um, it's not the result we wanted. Obviously, the takeover, you know, come to a grind and halt last week. Um, but, you know, I just feel because there's no ticking clock anymore, we can concentrate on, you know, the start of the new season. We can concentrate on the transfer window. At least we know where we're at going into the season. And Steve Bruce does as well, you know. Yeah, I think um, everyone wanted some kind of uh, end result. And as you say, it's not the end result we're walking open for. In fact, it's the opposite of what we're open for. But it just means that uh, there's clarity now um, in terms of what the manager's got to go out and do, what, what market he's shopping in, because he's probably already spoke to, to Mike Ashley and Lee Charnley with regards to his budget, if they were still in charge. Um, I mean, that's, that's the uh, interesting one, isn't it? Because Mike wasn't actually a big spender when he was uh, totally committed to the club and now he was nearly selling up. You wouldn't have thought that he's going to be looking to be pumping a lot of money into the, into the squad in terms of uh, combined... Uh, players' salaries and transfer fees. I know when Mike usually talks of a of a war chest, uh, what he's given the manager, he includes all those type of things in it. So if, he's, if he mentioned he's going to give the manager 50 million, that's not just going out and spending 50 million on players or transfer fees. That includes the salaries, etc., which, you know, they don't come cheap per year for a Premier League footballer nowadays as well. So it'd be interesting to see... Um, what the club can do. I hope they can do something to a level where they can improve the squad. So I felt the players in January didn't actually improve the squad, the loan signings. I didn't think they were any better than what we had. And they certainly in their performances didn't improve on what we had. So I think if the signings we bring in have to be lads who are going to go straight into the starting eleven and, and make it better, really, and raise the standards of the, of the groups so we can you know, we can have a realistic chance uh, of getting in the top 10. I know we had a little spell about four or five weeks from the end of the season. If we've got a, got a couple of results, we could have got into the top 10. But we want to be going there where we, we give ourselves a real good opportunity of, of getting there, you know. And that means there's got to be some kind of quality added to the squad. We all know where we were on certain days in life, you know, when, for example, John Lennon was shot dead or Kennedy was shot dead, if you're a bit older. Um, where were you when you heard that the takeover was off? I was sitting in front of the TV watching Sky Sports and seeing the yellow ticker and seeing the breaking news. So, um, at first, it was devastation, do you know what I mean? And But as you said, over the last few days, that's gone into a bit of a realism that we've got clarity one way or the other, you know. I don't know where where we stand with the potential of the American guy coming in, well, where he's at, is he interested or is it just a little bit of pie in the sky from him? I, I don't know. I don't, I've, I've, I've tried to look about and find out and I think uh, there's been one or two uh, press releases saying that Mike's give him a, you know, pay up or shut up type of ultimatum to basically come to the table. Now the club's still up for sale. He knows what the deal is and come up with his own funds. But I don't know what he's actually like in his own personal wealth or if he's having to bring people in, if he does be, get successful, um, at least with the, the Saudis and the people who were involved, the Ruben brothers and Amanda Stavely, we knew that they had substantial wealth behind them as well. Not only could they afford to buy the club, they could afford to take it forward in every aspect in terms of the team and the infrastructure. But 
not too sure with any other people who are out there. Should we take a positive from this? I mean, I, I certainly have that Mike Ashley wants to sell the club, Lee. I mean, it's something that the fans have been singing for for, you know, for numerous years yet now. The relationship between Mike Ashley and the fans really broke down when, when Kevin Keegan left the club. But, you know, I suppose this at least confirms, you know, this wasn't a fake takeover attempt. This was a genuine attempt to buy the club. It looks as if it's fell through more to do with the politics around it and, you know, things which didn't really have anything to do with football. But it shows you that Mike Ashley does want to leave St. James's Park. Yeah, he's prepared to sell. And in, in, in all fairness to Mike, this deal hasn't broken down because of him. Yeah. Um, this deal's broken down. It's gone beyond him. He took the non-refundable deposit. The, the club, the sale had been agreed. All the figures had been done. There was no obstacles that side. I think the obstacles and, you know, the truth will always come out eventually. We've heard certain rumours since it's broke down that... There was other Premier League clubs involved and weren't happy with the situation or this, this, that and the other. So we've had all, that, all the kinds of rumours that what you usually get. But certainly I don't think this was this breakdown was anything to do with Mike Ashley, to be fair to him. So I think that's a real positive, like you say, that he, he has. He's shown that he's prepared to, for the right offer. He's prepared to let the club go and, and let someone else take over the run of it. So... That, that's obviously worked. The, the supporters don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't think we can, you know, they cannot uh, push all that effort into trying to get him to spend more money. I don't think that'll happen. I don't think it's ever was ever going to happen during his reign. It certainly ain't going to happen now where he's going to spend substantial amounts or it would be one of the craziest moves he's ever done when he's decided to sell it and he goes and spends more money than he ever has. So, you know, we've, yeah, like you say, take the positives. Hopefully something can be resurrected or someone else, as I said, a, a, a new buyer, a new potential investor, a new owner of the club. Surely people who have you know, high net worth can see the potential that Newcastle United can give them. And what they can do as well, they can also grow the club in many aspects. They can grow the club in a position that it, on the field in terms of where it finishes in the league. They can get it into Europe. The, uh, the merchandise can go completely through the roof because, you know, that's probably not hit even 20% uh, in terms of the capacity that it can get to. And obviously, if you become successful, there's an opportunity to extend the stadium and get more supporters in, which would, would not be very difficult if the team was uh, being successful again, I've got to say. Yeah, I mean, you know, during the, uh, you know, during the breakdown news came a statement from uh, <laughs> Stabley, obviously, she, she put out her point of view as to why things had broken down. And uh, her husband, Mia Dad, tweeted, and so did Jamie Rubin again. I think that's another positive in the sense that they came out and at least they, you know, they finally broke cover, if you like, once, you know, once the, the PIF had pulled away from the deal. That, you know, you know, we, you know, we'll give it our best shot. But, you know, at this moment, it just hasn't been good enough. So, you know, from, from our perspective, again, it, it showed that the takeover was real because... I think a lot of us just, you know, constantly disbelieve these. I know you did. You know, we've we, we said many times on this show, we'd only believe a takeover would go through when we see Amanda Stabley standing on the uh, on the pitch holding a scarf up. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you, you proved to be right. But again, I took a bit of confidence from the fact, you know, what they were saying. And it, it did, you know, it, it was, maybe it just wasn't to be. Yeah, Steve, for me, you know, all those 
uh, doubts were, were taken away. And for so, whatever reasons, when, when it's got to the final hurdle, i.e. the Premier League and the FA, it hasn't been overcome that final hurdle. Now, I know they said that they needed clarity on who was actually going to be uh, heading the football club and meaning, what I'm assuming the meaning who was going to take the seat as being the chairman and, and, and how the board was going to be structured. So they, they didn't have a lot of clarity on that. But I, I mean, I'd be disappointed if something is, you know, small as that when there's successful business people involved in a huge transaction was going to be the uh, give us the downfall of the uh, of, of the takeover. So there's, there's lots of things that you can be positive about. I know it's difficult for Newcastle fans at the moment because we'll be thinking it's it's going to be another um, summer transfer window with Mike in charge and and, and and what he's done in the past doesn't fill you full of confidence. But uh, we've just got to be ready and hopefully, because it's such a turn, short turnaround as well for the new season to start, the injuries were picked up towards the end of the season as well. Hopefully they've cleared up because, like me, me and you said a couple of weeks ago, we don't want to start the season poorly because you find it very, very difficult after you do that to try and get some momentum to get a... Uh, you know, to get out of that uh, relegation area. So it's important that we uh, dust ourselves down. We don't want to start the season, certainly the way we finished it. And, and that was obviously caused by some injuries to important players. Um, so we've got to get it right. We've got to get those players that were injured as fit as quickly and safely as possible. And hopefully for the start of the new season, as I said, short turnaround, but also get some quality new signings in if possible. The fans have come out and reacted to the collapse of the takeover by, you know, setting away a petition. Um, you know, you know, I think that the target, I think, is a hundred thousand pound, is a hundred thousand uh, signatures. I'm not sure whether they've hit that yet, but you know, good luck to them with it. And and you know, I've signed it. I know, you know, certain players who can because they're not contracted to the likes of Sky or the Premier League or whatever. I know they've come out and supported it and signed it as well. Um, you know, again, it, a lot of the supporter groups as well who've probably been at each other's throats over the years have all come together, which again, mm-hmm. positive to come from from the takeover. You know, fans fans have often been divided, but they've all seemed to come together under the same under the same roof for this league, which is a positive again. Hundred percent, Steve. I mean, I've actually signed the petition myself as well, so you know, I want to try and help Newcastle fans get answers and get some clarity on what's happened. But like you said, you know, in the past, the different, uh, various different groups, supporters, groups that, you know, support and represent the club, been a little bit at loggerheads sometimes with them, with each other. And this time they've all come together as one. So that's a good thing to take. That that could maybe, you know, change the, the way they all go forward, you know, for the for the rest of the time now. And that, that would be a real positive if there can be a unity amongst all those different groups without a doubt. So, um no, I've just got it. We've got hey, we are where we are. We've got to try and make the best of it, and and, and hopefully, now people know that Mike's a serious seller because I think in the past they might have doubted that. Um, you know, you'll get more people who who will show an interest and in, and in try and take the club forward. Yeah, we're talking about uh, transfers. Obviously, the transfer window is open. The latest names to be linked with Newcastle uh, over the last twenty four hours: James Milner, um, potential return to Newcastle uh, has been mooted. Uh, Zaha, of course, um, certainly looking to get away from from Palace. Um, you know, you know, are those kind of names credible? Are they, you know, do you think that they're the other kind of you know players that we could see coming in, or 
you know, Callum Wilson, again, relegated with uh, Bournemouth. Potentially, you know, we are looking for a striker. You hope we're looking for a striker. Um, David Brooks is another one at, at Bournemouth who's, who's been linked. And, uh, you know, outside bets, Gareth Bale. I think we've had work deal with that one now until until <laughs> does go through. But are any of those names realistically? Well, I certainly think Callum Wilson is. And I think he'd be an excellent signing for Newcastle. He has a, a real good goal scoring record in a, in a team that, you know, let's face it, in a, used to, was in a similar sort of scenario in Newcastle, you know, fighting in that area of the Premier League, but still had a good goal ratio. He's a full England international. I've managed against him before, I've come up against him, and he has real good assets. He has, he has a willingness to run in behind, he has real good pace, he's strong, uh, and he's, he's a good finisher with both feet and in, and, and in the air. So, certainly, um, you know, the thing is with Bournemouth, you know, that that they have quite a wealthy owner, a Russian owner, so that they'll not be in a position where you can hold them to ransom and get their players for cheap. But, you know, he is certainly a player that we should be in the market for. Um, I would love to see a James Milner come back. I was lucky enough when I was on the coaching staff to, to work with him and I seen uh, what an unbelievable professional he was and you know, the success he's had at both Manchester City and Liverpool hasn't surprised me at all. And if, if ever there's an example to young players um, about why players are successful uh, and, and become winners, it, it's James Milner. Attitude, I've never seen any better. I've never seen a player with a better attitude. He's every day, every single day would, would do extra training work. You know, whether that was just extra fitness running, sprints, uh, taking a set players because he was a set player taker shooting passing every single day he wanted to stay behind with either myself or someone else one of the coaching team to do some sessions with him and uh, I would I would find it I wouldn't like to think Klopp would want to let him go he's probably not going to be you know um, a player who's played every week week in week out but I think he's such an inspirational character in the dressing room as well and the experience he has I think Klopp will want that around the place and I think uh, I wouldn't even be surprised if there was an, an opportunity for James to stay on at Liverpool in a coaching capacity as well further down the line. But he's certainly someone that I would like to see. The Zaha one's a bit different. I think, you know, Palace will ask for big money. For me, we have to prioritise where we're going to spend one money, the limited money we'll have. And I, and I totally agree with you. Striker has to be a priority for us. And with the injury situation we have with central defence, probably there. Uh, I think the spine of the team, another central midfield player, because as me and you've talked about, Bentaleb for me hasn't been the answer. Um, and if, if young Matty does move on, um, you know, we're going to be short there as well. So the spine of the team is, is, is crucial. But for me, if there was only enough money for one player, it has to be a striker because, you know, they can, they're the difference between you obviously winning and losing games. Yeah, I mean it's a big, big it's it's a big call this summer, and you know unless Joe Linton comes back a different player next season, um, you know it, it, it these were options you know limited. Andy Carroll, you know, didn't score last season. You know, created a couple of assists, and and when crowds were allowed in St James's Park, he you know he helped change the atmosphere, change games, and you know he, he was beneficial to that degree. But you know for, for me, you know he needed to score goals, and he didn't. Dwight Gale, though, you know, we seem to get him back to full fitness by the end of the season, and uh, he proved his worth in those few, you know, those few remaining games that we had after, you know, after lockdown. 
No, yeah, I, I, I think Dwight uh, was one of the few players after lockdown who took his opportunity and, and maybe, you know, showed a few of the doubters who think he, he maybe couldn't cut it at the Premier League. He was more of a championship striker. But he came in and he was consistent. He's got a tremendous work ethic um, and he's got good movement. Um, but what he's added now in the in the last few weeks, he's he's got a run of consistency in terms of scoring goals. So hopefully he'll come back uh, in the short turnaround, full of confidence for, from a personal point of view. Um, I mean, I'm like you. I, I hope there is a turnaround. You want that in any player like with Joe Linton, but I just personally cannot see it. I think it's just been a total. It's been an actual decline, and it's got actually worse rather than better. Um, and uh, sometimes, you know, I've always said this: you, you, players will struggle, but when you're a, when you're a teammate or you're a manager or a coach, you see stuff on the training ground. You think, well, he certainly got some. So I'm wondering if that's the case on the training ground. He's showing stuff that maybe he's, he's not replicating in a match, and the players in the management and the players are sticking by him because of that. Because I've got to say, I've never really seen a lot of uh, things in the match that have excited us about him and, and to, to, to make us think that he's going to be a top Premier League striker. Um, so we, we just have to wait and see. Um, I mean, even if Steve wanted to try and use him to raise some funds to buy another player like me and you've talked about in the past as well, I'm not too sure how much he'd fetch in the open transfer market. I don't think he'd fetch a lot, certainly nowhere near the amount of money we paid for him. Yeah. I want to. Uh, I want to really like finish the second half of the show with um, like a look back over the season, Lee, with you. You know, we uh, you know we we had a stop start season, obviously because of the pandemic, but um, we managed to see the season out. So let's let's start with with player of the season first of all. You know, who was who was your player of the season for Newcastle United? Um, well, obviously the goalkeeper probably takes the award for me, Dubravka. Um, I think he's, he was outstanding again. There was one or two errors, but you'll get that with goalkeepers. You know they're in such a difficult position. I think it's probably the the best and the most consistent we've seen from John Joe Shelby since he's been at the club. For whatever reason, he I think whether when it was Steve giving the armband when uh, Jamel Lascelles wasn't around, that uh, gave him extra motivation and, and, and made him you know responsibility as the captain Newcastle United couldn't do some of the silly things he'd done previously especially some of the things he'd done when he was playing under Rafa when he for example he got the silly send off down at Nottingham Forest and stuff like that um, so he I think he showed a lot more consistency his goals returns being decent um, of, uh, I mean difficult after that I mean Almiron St Maxim St Maxim exciting player love him great you know is he starting to get a bit frustrated because he's probably the, the the one that we'll look to all the time rather than have other potential match winners as well with him that's the worry for me including this transfer window he'll have caught lots of people's attention um you know the way he's played uh he showed a great work ethic as well and and I like I like Almiron I think he's showed a, a fantastic attitude even when things don't go his way he still works, like I was saying to you before, an example is you still see some shoots of, of, of ability there. He goes past people, he, he does things direct and, you know, sometimes his final ball mightn't be right, but at least you've got something to work with with him. So I think there's a handful of players. But for me, you'd, you'd probably be shortlisting Dubravka 
is the keeper and St Maxim is the outfield player. They'd be the two that you'd be looking at to be the, the standout players of the season. Best signing? Uh, in the season just gone? In the season just gone, yeah. Yeah, I think St. St. Maxim has to be the one. I think uh, he's the shining light. He gets you on the edge of your seat. Um, I like his character as well. He seems to be a bit of a flamboyant character. Um, so, yeah, I think he has to be the one. Best game of the season? Oh, best game of the season. Um, well, obviously, if it, I wasn't there, but I think the win down at Tottenham early in the season was a massive result. Um, for everybody to go there, you know, their brand new stadium at the time and Pochettino still in charge and, you know, the highly thought of squad at Spurs. So I think to go there, um, you know, we'd had a little bit of a, it were a slow burn as the start of the season, but we went down there and, and got a terrific result. Um, I'm trying to think of any of the home games, obviously, you know, the wins we got uh, against, was it Chelsea and uh, the wins it got at Man City. So they stand out, but I'd say for performance-wise, the Spurs game. Yeah, I would say that 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 or the Bournemouth game. The Bournemouth game was a really good performance as well. I would I would say you know like like through the season, goal of the season. Is there a goal that stands out? Um, trying to think. Um, uh, nothing really that's stand out as you said that Bournemouth game I thought we scored some excellent uh, goals in that in that result the four the four goals there I think uh, Almiron scored a good goal and you know the, the uh, Zaro and you know there were some good goals and Sean so I think you know there's not is there a thunderbolt that stands out um, did Shelby score free kick in one of the, the home games yeah I mean, Matty Longstaff's maybe for the way for the for the the fact that it was a winning goal as well. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't. Yes. That was it. Was just a great goal, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Because of what it was as well. It yeah. was that long ago. I didn't even. I, I didn't realize it was this season. It was that <laughs> long ago. <laughs> I thought it was the season before. It seems like it was ages ago. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, mate. It's just the way it's dragged on, isn't it? It's the way it's dragged on. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think the last question really for for, the, for this roundup really is, is is you know was the season a success? For me, Steve, it it it, it isn't. I get frustrated, um, you know, because I don't want to see we're just celebrating finishing off thirteenth or fourteenth. Um, it's difficult because obviously the managers, past and present, under under Mike's regime. They've always had to deal with that because of the lack of investment in the squad. I'd probably say it has been because I think, you know, the 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 feeling amongst the supporters at the start of the season they'd lost a manager who absolutely adored. Steve wasn't someone that they would have been would have been their choice as the new manager. So there was that to put up with. Obviously, the the ill feeling between the supporters and the ownership. And then obviously what happened with COVID. For us not to be really, I don't think at any stage we're really involved in that relegation battle. We're never going to get sucked into it. Means that you stay in the league once again, which probably I think a lot of fans, even loyal fans, might have thought that we, we could have got dragged into that. Um, so it, I don't want to say it's a success because I want to see that I want to see the club competing in the top ten. I want to see them trying to challenge and, and make things happen. You know, uh, but from a point of view, is that where we've been in the last few seasons, it's just mirrored that. So it means that was, 
you know, was stabilised, but I want us to be more ambitious and, and, and try and get better. Yeah, no, I understand that. And Steve Bruce, I mean, you know, I know the players, yourself included, know Steve quite well and, you know, big supporters of him. Um, it's been a success for Steve, hasn't it? Because, you know, as we say, at the start of the season, you know, he came up against a huge, you know, wave of, you know, anti-feeling towards him, especially not, not necessarily against him, just because Rafa had left. Absolutely, had, yeah. About this constant comparison between him and Rafa. Well, I was, I was just going to bring that up, Steve. It's that's done my absolute head in all season. You know, every stage of the season, or oh, Steve's got more points than Rafa, or Rafa had more points at this stage. You know, you can't you cannot work a football club on that, and that hasn't just been from fans. That's been from the media as well, which has been disappointing. Yeah. You don't you don't do that, and it's. It's continued right up until the last game, you know. It was like, oh, Steve wins one more game from the last three, he'll end up with a better points total than what Rafa had the season before. No two seasons are the same for diff for various different reasons, you know. You kind of compare things like that. You just you crack on with what you've got, and that that's been a big, a huge bugbear of me this season. Just having to listen to all that nonsense that was getting spouted about from both sides, um, you know. Rafa, everyone knows he, he he's a top manager. He's 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 proved it. He's won he's won titles. He's won the big trophies. He's managed huge clubs, you know. And uh, we should have tried doing more to keep him. But he, he moved on. He's went and you know elsewhere in his career. He's made his own career path. Got no doubt he'll be back in English football. But you know we had to get a manager in. And uh, you know as I've said at the time, any any. Geordie, who's involved in management, gets the opportunity to manage Newcastle United, doesn't matter who the owner is, would find it very, very difficult to turn that offer down. And Steve didn't. And he's kept the club in the Premier League. As I said, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me that we're, we're celebrating. I mean, the thing I say, Steve, as well, is there's a, there'll be a huge portion um, of Newcastle fans who've only experienced the Mike Ashley era. They haven't experienced before that. And uh, so they, they'll only know that type of finish. So they will celebrate it. There'll be lots of people who celebrate it because, you know, without the exception of the one time, I think we finished fifth on Alan Pardew. Yeah. That's been round about where we've been. So, you know, they will celebrate it, but we, we, we need to be better on that because if you keep aiming for those positions, you'll come unstuck like we have twice under his tenure and end up getting relegated. Yeah. Um, moving away from something which is not necessarily just about Newcastle, um, VAR made its debut in, in the last season, Lee. Um, success or failure? For me, probably bordering on failure at the moment. I don't think it's being used properly. I don't think we've allowed the referees to go to the monitor themselves and decide. And one of the big incidents that's proved crucial uh, was the, the no goal that Sheffield United uh, never got against Aston Villa after lockdown when the keeper easily took it over the line. The goal line technology never worked. But surely VAR seen what we were seeing on the replays and on the cameras and they could have intervened to help, you know, to help obviously the referee out because, you know, it, it, Sheffield United win that game. Um, you know, Villa don't get that point. That could have made a hell of a difference come the end of the season. I'm not saying that's the reason Bournemouth went down and Villa stayed up, but surely Vars in that position and seeing the same footage, because I remember seeing it at the time, even seeing it live, and you could see the goalkeeper took the ball behind the post. He had it pushed on the back of 
the post and then every angle he's seen it at, it was clearly over the line. And you knew there'd been an error with the goal line technology. So surely VAR should step in then. That's a big, big decision. But there's been other instances as well where the time scale has been crazy. Some of the, the time that it's took to make a decision, um, you know, and and not and and very often and, and for my dislike is the referees haven't went and looked at the monitor themselves to alongside VAR to make that decision. They've let the, the guys at Stockley Park make the decision for them. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's been a complete failure. And like you say, I mean, Bournemouth have, have a right to at least appeal against that. I mean, they might get a financial recompense or something like that. But, you know, of all the teams to go down, I did feel sorry for Bournemouth because, you know, I like Eddie Howe. It's always nice to see, you know, young, fresh-faced coaches coming through. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, you yeah. experience being a you know a manager and a coach of clubs, mate. And it's just nice, nice to see, you know. I, I tell you, getting away from the VAR thing, I was actually the FA Cup uh, semi-finals. Of course, Newcastle got knocked out of the quarter-final stage, and well done for them for getting to that stage. And, and Bruce getting one of that. But to get into the semi-finals, it was actually, if you noticed, um, obviously with the exception of Pep Guardiola in the semis, the other three teams all had relatively new managers or coaches for that team. It was, uh, and of course, the cup final was between Lampard and Arteta. It, I, I just think it was refreshing for the game to see new managers coming through and not being the same old faces. And it wasn't a bad cup final either. Yeah, I mean, I didn't get the opportunity to watch the game Saturday, um, but uh, seeing the highlights and the goals, and it, it was refreshing. It's good when, you know, uh, there's different uh, teams involved and obviously two new managers to the, to the Premier League. And, you know, Arteta has just shown that he's obviously learned off the master. He's only been in the job six months. He picks up his first trophy. I think if he's given... Uh, any kind of financial backing, you could potentially see Arsenal rising again uh, in terms of the league programme, etc. Obviously, Frank has done a great job at Chelsea also with his qualification for Champions League and getting them to a cup final. He'd be disappointed because he's obviously used to winning in the big games. He'd be disappointed that they lose that one. But yeah, you know, exciting and uh, like you said, Sol- Solskjaer was involved in the, in the other semi-finalists. I just think it's uh, it, it is good. It's you know it makes the league a bit exciting. I think the, the Man United are starting to get back, and if they do get a Sancho in the building, you'd think they're going to be up there challenging again. So that top end of the league's getting very very strong now again. Yeah, it is definitely. Some of the uh, the rule changes that came in after Project Restart looks as if we're going to be uh, stuck with them. The substitutes, etc. Do you agree with that, Lee? Um, I'm I'm not too fussed on the five subs. I think that could be. Good, I think, as a managerial point of view, it'll it'll ease the burden on players, the players' game time they get, and especially because it's just such a short turnaround. So, you know, it'll stop you picking up, or should stop you picking up numerous injuries. Um, I hope that the drinks break gets knocked on the head. I hope that was just a, a one-off because of the the period of time that they had was so short. I, I didn't agree with that. The drinks break, uh, you know, it halfway through each half. Um, but the five subs, all that will happen though. Some things is the big boys will, will, will benefit from that again, won't they? Because if you're thinking Man City could bring five world-class players on, and at the moment, if we're looking at the Cassie United squad, where you look at the last few games where we had two or three untried youngsters, Steve's uh, hands a little bit uh, tied, a bit limited, isn't it? And what he can bring off the bench, and uh, like we said at the start, are they any better than what the starting eleven is? 
the likes of Man City and Liverpool, those players have got on the bench are of the same level of the players that are on the pitch. So those those big boys will get stronger, that's for sure. And uh, new rule coming in as well. Uh, footballers are going to face the prospect of being shown a, a straight red card if they're caught deliberately coughing at an opponent or a match official. You know, this is a, a COVID a COVID law that's coming in. Yeah, well, I'd be disappointed if any of the players were doing that in any way, to be honest with you, Steve. If they were doing that and certainly in the climate we're in at the moment, you'd be very disappointed in players who are in the public eye were doing any stupidity like that. So, you know, people might say, well, what a daft rule, but you just, you, you would expect that to be the norm. You wouldn't expect them to, to behave in that way without a doubt, you know. Definitely not. Um, getting back to the football side of things with Newcastle United, obviously you've already mentioned, you know, it, it's going to be quite a quick turnaround, Lee. I mean, you know, how, how does Steve Bruce prepare for that? I mean, we already have a few injuries which are probably unlikely to see, you know, maybe Lascelles in particular coming back from, you know, from this injury for pre-season because pre-season is, is this month and then we're, you know, then we're into the start of the season on the 12th of September. So, how 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 is he going to be able to prepare differently for this? Do you think it's going to be difficult, Steve? You haven't got that period of time, as you said. I've I've seen a, I've seen an article where Newcastle lads um, are back two weeks today, the the seventeenth of August for pre season. So they probably only had a three week break, um, and then the season starts up on the twelfth, which is you know just over three weeks. Uh, you know you usually get a six week. Um, pre-season programme into the players in terms of the fitness that they need and some some games and you know a training camp away to, to, to gel in the new players that you've signed um, so it's all going to be completely different it's going to be uh, you know you're going to be squeezing the, the work the type of work that you're in a short period of time but what you have to do then as well is be aware of the injury situation you cannot do too much with the players too quickly because you don't want them picking up injuries like we said we ain't got the biggest of squatters to start with. So, you know, that'll be a huge concern for Steve and his staff and the medical team at Newcastle is the type of work they go into. Um, and, uh, and, and and to be honest, a lot of the, most of the players now, if not all of them, they look after themselves even in the off-season. Um, you know, they keep themselves ticking over. So, and, this, and it's not too long ago since they stopped playing. So, but I, I, you just worry about Will they get the necessary fitness levels into them that can last them the season? You know, that's that's the that's the concern and 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 picking up injuries because, um, as I said, it, we don't want to have a disappointing start of the season because you find it very difficult after that. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know it's a strange situation to be in, as you say, coming coming into a season so quickly after the last one's finished, and we just got to hope that the transfer budget is is slightly more. And Steve Bruce talked about it potentially being revised. Uh, let let's hope it is. Um, Want to talk about we're obviously pre-recording this surely, um, and today um, is actually Ozzy Ordealers' birthday. Um, and of course, you know, Ozzy was your boss at Newcastle United. Tell us a, a little bit about Ozzy and what he was like. Uh, he was a fantastic manager for us young players. Um, he gave us great freedom, great belief in that him, the manager, believed in us. Um, you know, the way he got us from the youth team into the first team, seven or eight of us all together. Um, you know, it was a difficult period for the club in terms of financial terms. Um, 
but you know he showed a lot of faith in in those young lads who eventually went on to be important players under the under the Kevin Keegan and entertainers era. And then when we did move on, we moved on for substantial amounts of money, nowhere anywhere near the figures that get mentioned nowadays. But in in the in the terms of when we were playing, it was still good money to get for us. So, but he was just a superb guy, you know. He was a World Cup winner. He joined in training. He was still one of the best players. Um, one of the things we weren't allowed to call him Gaffer or Boss, we had to just call him Aussie. Um, you know, and obviously in his broken English, um, you know, we would we would have some good fun with him. That you know, I remember one game at Barnsley where he said, uh, "Well, uh, well, pretty uh, very bubbly," and uh, like I basically looked at him and he was like, "You not understand English, Clarky?" <laughs> so <laughs> in his broken Argentinian accent, like so, I still keep in touch with him. But I send him a message. I didn't realise it was his birthday, so because he'll be giving us some stick that I haven't sent him a message. So, but I send him one after this. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know just great mem- great memories of, you know of Ozzy Ardiles and it was it was you know wasn't meant to be it was unfortunate the way he left but it, he's always remembered for giving youth a chance Lee which I know is something that stuck with you and your managerial career. Steve, listen, I, I can't really remember the fans as well turned against him. Um, you know, obviously they were very disappointed with the results were going and they were getting a bit concerned and I think. The board were probably well within done the right thing to bring Kevin in and galvanise the club. But the fans, when we were playing, we never felt uh, that the fans were turning against the manager. They understood that he was playing such a young team and they could see that there was some promising and exciting young players. We just didn't, we lacked a bit of, you know, if, if now it's an experience and because we all got put in together, there was only a couple of senior lads left in the group. So, you know, we... And what we've always got to remember is Ozzy Ardiles uh, loaned Newcastle United the transfer fee for David Kelly on an interest-free basis. So for us to buy David Kelly at that time, which we end up doing, and David become a, a great uh, fans' favourite and played a massive part in the club getting promoted, you know, that was down to Ozzy stumping up the money of his own money uh, in an interest-free loan to the club, which was obviously repaid back from So... That, that should always show you that he was uh, totally committed to the club. I know he was absolutely gutted when, when he got relieved of his duties because he, he really loved it, but he knew it was a difficult period. Couldn't see uh, the modern-day manager these days making a loan like that to a football club, could you? <laughs> no, I wouldn't have thought so. They'll have multi-millions in their bank accounts as well, by the way. Uh, Steve Bruce might have to get his hand in his pocket this summer. We'll, 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 wait, we'll wait and see. We might see him busking outside Fenixley. Um, <laughs> um, uh, last thing, obviously, I want to talk about Newcastle Blue Star. Obviously, I'm I'm a big fan of Dunstan. I'm, I'm on Dunstan's committee. But your your you know now new role at Newcastle Blue Star. I know you were out and about on uh, on Saturday, mate. And um, I know Neil Mitchell, the Geordie dentist, on Friday show continues to get your shirt sales up by giving it a bit of a plug and a bit of promo. Um, so yeah, just just let us know what 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 was what was going on at the club. Uh, did you have a have a game at the weekend? Yeah, well, I mean the promos with regards to shirts, Steve, is phenomenal. So I appreciate all that. We've sold over five hundred and fifty uh, replica shirts already. Um, I think the, the the Newcastle France from the eighties and nineties are buzzing. It's the old retro shirts. So uh, that's a fantastic turnaround so far. And I was down at the club both Saturday and Sunday watching. Uh, in the morning and in the uh, early afternoon watching the youngsters, various different teams play. And then on Saturday afternoon, the first team had their first uh, pre-season friendly behind closed doors. 
lost the contract eventually 3-2, but played extremely well. Kenny Wharton, the manager, he, he changed the team completely at half-time, but there was you know lots of positives to take from the game. And then Sunday was the same, went down Sunday morning and just got my first glimpse of the youngsters playing. It was great. I went to watch the under-10s play on the seven-a-side pitch and they had the old... Uh, the old grey kit on with the blue star on the front and it brought back some fantastic memories and seeing these little young youngsters running around and that. So I'm just basically finding my feet at the moment, getting to know everybody, getting to see, try and see as many as the teams uh, playing or training and getting to know them. And then eventually I'll be putting some training sessions on for various different teams and putting some sessions on for the coaches and, and basically just continue to try and help um you know, the committee uh, and, and, and everyone connect with the club to, to raise funds to, to back the plans that they've got. They've got some terrific plans and uh, we're, we're trying to do that. Brilliant stuff, Lee. Well, we'll keep, uh, we'll keep a check, you know, each week on, on how things are going at Blue Star, mate. But I'm sure it'll be a big success, mate, with you and Kenny there. And uh, a lot of hard work goes in by a lot of volunteers at uh, that level. And, uh, you know, Absolutely. it's really important that um, anyone watching as well, if you get the opportunity eventually to go back to football, I'd imagine you're going to get more of a chance to go to watch non-league first and foremost because of the... The attendance has been smaller, so you know, get along to see Lee at uh, Blue Star. But don't forget, if you live in Gateshead, keep an eye on Dunstan as well. Get yourself along. But uh, Lee, as always, great to speak to you, mate. I know it's been slightly different this week. Got you on on a different day, but we're both busy, and uh, we we'll look forward to getting you on at some point again next week, mate, to talk football. Cheers, Steve. All the best. Yeah, bye, bye, mate.